Pulitzer right there. I love this. Kyle comes in at the perfect time with the <laughs> with the title right before He's we good get with that. <laughs> he is good with that. All right. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer. Upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you it's already know. I think that's how it we always went, goes. Like, like 45 minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> we're what about, are we doing? We're talking... Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show providing you all the coverage from Italy and England, soccer-wise, of course. We're not doing the politics, not just yet, at least. Uh, I'm sure one day we'll get there, of course. I am Matt, joined by my lovely, wonderful, quarantining still co-host, Dom, who is in, I would say, much better spirits than last week. Dom, how are you doing? Um, negative, and I am wonderful. Negative, but still very, po- very much positive, right? Uh, looking, looking on the bright side of life this week. Hell yeah! I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Definitely related also to the fact that Milan, uh, two impressive wins uh, after the <laughs> the return from from our winter break in Italy, and we're gonna go straight to Italy because listen, last week was a very England forward show. Italy, we're on a break still. It's role reversal time. We're getting back to Italy. There's a few games, you know, maybe you just maybe you just saw this weekend some of the craziest games of the year already. I think it's safe to say we're going to start with certainly the, I, I got to say, is 2022 crazy. is young, very young. I would be, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a, a crazier 10 minutes than the 10 minutes we had in Roma, Juventus. That's where we start today's show. Roma 3, Juventus 4. This felt like it was going to be a really good uh, turnaround for Roma. Obviously, a really disappointing game against Milan uh, to start off the the return from the winter break. And this was a Milan team that they faced that had to uh, obviously rotate the the squad quite a bit. They have a few AFCON players, but and they were cruising three one up against Juventus. I thought they played very well in that first half. I thought they they looked impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a total collapse uh, from the 70th minute onwards and. Uh, Mourinho talked about it. He said that they didn't have the the confidence and the mentality to to turn it around. That as soon as he saw it go three two, he knew that they were in a really bad situation because this is a, a Juventus team with the type of mentality to take over that game. And he was right. I mean, of course, he's going to say that afterwards and say that uh, he he could overcome this, but the team could not. Dom, what did we think about this game? Um. It, it, like you said, it looked like Roma was going to run away with this game in the first, you know, half. Chiesa comes off with what seemed like an injury. Um, Done for I mean, the year, by the way. ACL rupture. Uh, oh, obviously terrible. We'll get into this. Off. We'll, we'll get into what this means for them totally. But, yeah. I mean, done for the season, and that's that's a massive blow to him. And Italy, by the way, who have yeah. a, a massive World Cup qualifier in the spring. I mean, like, everything aside from, like, Mkhitaryan's goal, because that, that was a bit of luck, right? But, um uh, everything else about it screamed, you know, Roma's going to control this game. I mean, it was nice to see Tammy Abraham get on get on the score sheet again. Um, he's having a great season. Pellegrini's free kick was Totti-esque, the way, the way that went top corner. It was so good. Uh, and, and that's not to take away from what Dybala did in the first half as well. I mean, his, his goal was, was in, in, impressive as well. But who knew that, you know, you bring on Alvaro Morata and he's what gets the, gets the, the, the tides changing. I mean, um, Crossed it in. Locatelli scored. Uh, Kulusevski almost like what seemed to be offsides and got ultimately turned into a goal uh, by VAR, uh, and that just what that's what kicked it off. Impressive, crazy to see Desiglio score. To me, a beautiful goal too. <laughs> well played shot. I crazy. Mean, 
Um, I, I mean, you know, it, it would, you know, me, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, Roma had five more shots. Roma had 5% more possession. Uh, they didn't pass as well as Juventus, uh, but they won the aerial battle. They had way more tackles, um, which probably also was uh, akin to later on in the game when Juventus had more possession. Uh, Roma had eight corners to Juventus one. Um, Juve gave the ball away more than double the top, the amount that Roma gave it away. Everything screams Roma wins this game, but that 10-minute span in the 70th to 80th minute, I mean, Juventus was just, you know, the Juventus that you expect to see. That was a, a total shift in the mood of the game, that 10-minute span, and Morata is, is a big part of that. Uh, he sets up beautifully uh, the the first goal to, to kind of bring the comeback on and just absolutely abused Abanez, who I thought, by the way, very lucky Abanez did not get a second yellow card at any mm-hmm. point. Uh, he had he had I think three or four fouls, and there was even a time Dybala held up the two because he fouled two Juventus players, and both of them I felt were yellow card worthy. And the fact that they were within five seconds of each other, um, I, I normally hate when the the players call out to the ref to bring attention to other players, but I, I felt Dybala was pretty fair in saying that that probably should have been uh, he probably should have been sent off. I I thought about this game like this. This is a huge victory for Juventus, but. It does feel a bit pyrrhic in the fact that you lose Chiesa for the season now. Um, he's a big part, I, I think, in, in the first half. He's really one of the few bright sparks. He's the one that sets up uh, Dybala's first goal, of course. And I just, I, I think, without him for the rest of the year, this team we'd already talked so much about. And you know, uh, one of the other highlights of this game is that this is not four goals from Juventus is a rarity. Uh, they they had a really really low goal goal scoring amount, twenty eight goals coming into this, which is just not. That's not good enough to, to be qualifying for Champions League, to be even talking about title race, which which they, of course, aren't. But um, no key is, is going to be huge for that. If you're looking at the national team as well, it's going to be a, a big, big loss because, frankly, Chiesa was, was one of the, the true engines of the attack for Italy, and, and they have a huge, obviously, uh, World Cup qualifying stage to go through now. But considering, just... considering who slides in at the national level, you got Berardi. Here for Juventus, you have Kulusevski who has to step up to the plate. Yes, he scored a goal. He did score a goal, but how can, will he be consistent enough to, you know, make up for arguably Juventus's best player? Yeah, I, I think Chiesa certainly deserves to be in that conversation. Another one of their players that I think deserved uh, deserves that kind of denotation is Delict, who uh, picks up a very unfortunate uh, red card in this. Well, double yellow. Uh, gives away the penalty after so it gets all crazy right yeah Juventus go 4-3 up and maybe two minutes later Roma have another attack uh Delict handles it 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 is a penalty it is a yellow card he gets sent off for it and Pellegrini who stepped up beautifully for the free kick earlier has the chance to tie it up and there's like 10 minutes left in the game and you're going to be playing against a a 10-man side now and you think you level this there's still a very decent chance you could get a winner with 10 minutes left and it's an awful penalty. Suchesny said he played it awfully because he just sort of stumbles to the side did, and Pellegrini yeah. ends up shooting it right at him. Um, it's it's a huge choke by Roma in this. And, yeah. and that's it's it's a huge three points missed out on. You had a real opportunity to, to get yourself back on track, obviously, after the Milan loss, but also you want to be keeping pace for those European spots. It's, it's a huge, huge mistake. Um, Landucci, who's obviously stepping in uh, for Allegri because Allegri was suspended after screaming at the referee after the Napoli match, uh, said, I hope Allegri comes back soon because I lost five or six years of my life. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a really crazy 12 or 13 minutes in this game. Uh, and, and even after, you know, the, the penalty save, there was there's plenty of drama still in, in those last 10 minutes. It dies yeah. down a bit. Chiellini comes on and immediately levels Pellegrini, and uh, Pellegrini has to get subbed out. He's bleeding from his head. I don't know how Pellegrini was now, allowed to stay on because of now, that. That worries me from a national standpoint. Is like one of your starting center backs. I don't know if he will be starting any longer. You know, based off of somebody else we're going to talk about later on in the show, but comes on and goes out to basically injure someone who has a chance to be playing in these world cup qualifying games in the midfield for Italy, like as, as at least like a reserve or a sub, like you're going to go out and do this. 
just he does not care. It's all about getting the, it was all about it was all about just like completely ruining any momentum Roma could build. Yeah. Uh, that's why Chiellini comes on. He subs on. He's fine with you know potentially taking a yellow or something like that uh, at that point in the game uh, because that's obviously Chiellini is a master of the dark arts. Juventus have been for a long time, of yes. course. I just I, I think it's it's a huge huge win for Juventus, of course. Uh, obviously, Chiesa f- without him for the rest of the season is going to be a challenge. You obviously the so much of the focus now is going to be on Dybala to stay healthy and, and consistent. Uh, yeah, Kulusevski is certainly going to have to step up. We've seen it in, in parts with him though. I thought McKenny American bias, but I, I thought McKenny played pretty well in this game. Um, this really solidified the fact that I don't think Benton Kerr can just play for Juventus anymore. I I just so many times. Just put putting himself and others in bad positions. He's uh, diabolical. I think it is fair to say. Mm-hmm. But Roma, this is this is just a, a massive, massive way to 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 lose three points. Truly, but um, let's let's get on here to to Inter Milan two Lazio one. This was uh, I think a really really good game. It was I think probably that the big match of the weekend. Let's call it right because you have a team hoping to, to return to the top of the table. Lazio who have been in some exciting games, the only team in Syria so far this season to beat Inter. Um, and I felt that Inter controlled this game pretty yeah. much from the start. Uh, the scoreline doesn't quite do it justice. I think Inter were, were very much in control and unlucky to not be up a bit more. They had a very, very close offside decision against Lautaro Martinez. I personally, it, to me, he looked onside uh, and he finished it coolly. Yeah, he but, did look onside. Uh, it, it was obviously the, the computer disagrees with me, but uh, the highlight, the man of the match for sure has to be Bastoni. He has been fantastic all this season. And, and if you go back to last year as well, he's, uh, he's a really big, important part of of you know, them winning Syria and Bastoni, you know, you, you highlighted the fact that Chiellini could be making way for someone like him. He is just a, a fantastic guy, a fantastic center back. Obviously he grows up like with the, in the uh, Atalanta system, right? And the Atalanta system, what we know about them is the center backs are very comfortable with the ball at their feet. They're comfortable making overlaps. They're comfortable getting into the final third. And you saw all of that from him. It's, a fantastic goal from outside the box from him and is a fantastic cross uh, to screen yard for I love the bar down header goals like powerful from a center back. It's just so aesthetically pleasing and Bastoni ran the show. Yeah. And like you said, it could be it could have been a lot worse for Lazio. Um, like you said, Lataro was deemed offside. Um, if Strakoska didn't make that other amazing save on Lataro's volley, that would have been the highlight of the weekend probably. Um, yeah, like you said, Inter handled this match so well. Barella was giving crosses left and right to everybody, finding people wide open from from like early on in the game. Um, but but what screams Inter and and the thing that you know is Inter's X factor in all of these games is that they have three world class center backs in that in that three five two that they play, where you know Bastoni, De Vrij, and Skriniar are all. Just amazing. And the fact that you can depend on these guys to also score goals and win games for you is is amazing for them. You know, uh, like you said, Bastoni comes from the Atalanta system. He does so well and likes to get forward. He does well with the ball at his feet. He can give a good cross. He can strike the ball very well. Um, and then Skriniar, if you get if you get the ball in on like on his head, that's what happens. Right. It, 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 it's just another win against. Yes, Lazio did beat them earlier in the season, like you said. But this is one of the most inconsistent teams we've been talking about all season. Um, You know, this is a game that you expect Inter to win, and they're just keeping that good run of form going. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP, breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts.
Yeah, so on Bastoni, uh, this is some of his football reference uh, advanced statistics. Uh, he is in the 96th percentile for defenders in progressive carries, 95th percentile for carries into the final third, uh, 98th percentile for carries into the penalty area, uh, 96th percentile for progressive passes received. Um, he just he finds himself. He's in the 95th percentile for crosses. Like he is such a, a very very good offensive center back, which you can find in the three back system, right? Because it usually does give the opportunity for um, some of these overlapping runs to, to happen in these rotations. And Bastoni is is just a huge huge part of that. And you're right to highlight that this back three that they have is really really impressive. I think three of certainly the the top ten uh, Syria defenders for sure. Uh, I, I think quite a few of these guys are certainly in the top three or top five conversation but um i mean yeah it's it's certainly one of the more impressive back lines i'll say as a liverpool fan seeing barilla play so well i'm very very pleased that he's missing at least the first leg of the champions league match because uh so much is is dependent on him and he just he makes them tick so well uh yeah lazio for this i think first of all the goal they score is uh just a a bit bizarre uh, yeah just a I think just a tremendous stroke of luck. Outside of that, they have some late chances from Linkovic Savage when they're in just full desperation mode. Uh, I thought he did well to get forward when he could, but they just seemed completely out of ideas in this game and and just completely outmatched. Um, well, it first... also go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll make my point after. No, I, I was no, no, no. Finish. That. Finish. You were you were you were mid. You were mid thought. I just think Lazio in a bad way, and I I don't know what the solution is here. Uh, I don't know that Maurizio Sarri is really figuring it out in a, in a meaningful way. And I, I just, I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know what they're doing with the squad. Milinkovic Savage is now rumored to go. Uh, he's apparently Sarri doesn't have a great relationship with Luis Alberto. You're talking about two of your most influential players over the last few years that are apparently going to be moved on. I, I just don't know what the direction is now for Lazio. They're they're not good enough to, to be Champions League next season. I I don't know that they're they're consistent enough to even get into European spot conversation. Uh, when you consider the the, the ground they'll have to make up now too, like I I don't know where they go from here. That that's where I think that you know Lazio are kind of in that like Manchester United type of thing. They have a new manager and a new system coming in, but the personnel doesn't match the manager. And I think that it would be smart. For Lazio to get rid of these two guys that have been so influential to Lazio's success in order to bring in money that they can use for signings that will bring in players that fit Sari's system, players that Sari wants in his system. Um, that's not to say that Milinkovic Savage doesn't fit the system. I mean, he probably does more than Luis Alberto, who's been coming off the bench more um, than what you're used to seeing him do. Um, but I, th- I think that's the main thing. I think that so- you need to see what Sari can do in another season after this January transfer window and the summer transfer window and him, you know, starting to bring in players that he may want. And once you have players and a structured system that he can work with, if it doesn't work there, then, you know, the conversation can come up, you know, is, is sorry, the right man for the job and all that. Um, <clears throat> but the point I was going to make before, uh, Aside from it just being, you know, luck on Lazio's part that they got that goal, it's another howler by Handanovic. And this is something that we talked about last week where, like, you know, Inter's been rumored to be looking at other goalkeepers. And, and, you know, you can see why. Right. They they did sign Andre Onana as well. It's, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's right. That's what we were seemingly about. confirmed by his uh, his national team coach. Uh, nothing. I, I haven't seen anything official on that yet. But yeah. Uh, because I mean, he came out for that and did not even get a hand on it. You know, the, the announcers thought he got a, a, a scuffed touch, but he didn't even touch it. I mean, immobile didn't even so touch it. It was ball. a bizarre play all around because Skriniar just gets like shoved off the ball. And I think he's expecting DeVry to cover the, the ground and DeVry is just completely unaware of the situation. It was just a, I, I think just a, a comedy of errors, uh, there. Yeah. Uh, all around uh you you highlighted sorry bringing in some some transfers i already had this for uh another part of the show we're gonna be talking about but uh 
Nadim Bejrami from Empoli uh, is is a guy that they're they're heavily linked with, and Fabio Parisi also of Empoli, uh, a left back. Uh, it seems like they very much want to get him. Uh, he's like their their first choice. Uh, so yeah, Lazio will be making moves in the transfer market, of course. I just. I think they came into the season really thinking about getting into that top four and that seems just completely out of the question at this point. And yes, maybe they're in the Europa League next year and that's that's fine, right? But I just I wonder with the, the squad as it's currently constructed, if the ceiling has really just drastically lowered uh from, from where they were even two years ago, you know, well, where they were chasing the title. It seems like they've been focused more on, on bringing in attacking options, and I don't think that they needed to do that. I think they need to bolster that midfield and defense a little bit more than they need to add Pedro in, you know what I mean, or, or and, and things like that where, you know, that's where all of their inconsistencies come from. The fact that you've got these teams that can hold possession on them, that can really uh, – you know, keep the pressure up and, and keep getting these chances and overwhelm them to the fact where their forwards and their world-class striker can't get chances because they can't get possession of the ball. And, and you see it against these top-tier teams like Inter, right? Inter blows them out. All the numbers are in Inter's favor. Like, it, it, it's, it's cause for concern, and a red alarm should be going off in, in, in the Lazio headquarters. For sure. I, I think Lazio are, they're just very inconsistent this year. If they can find consistency, that then, then maybe, obviously, of course, but uh, we have not seen that from them at all. For Inter, speaking of consistency, this is their eighth Serie A win in a row. Uh, they just are cruising at the moment, and they avenged that loss, that only loss of the season so far, uh, I, I would say pretty comfortably. Uh, let's move on to... Just one of one of the highest scoring matches of the weekend. Udinese two, Atalanta six. Uh, Udinese, of course, had a, a COVID ravaged squad. They were not able to play right after the break because of the amount of COVID cases. Um, Syria did uh, some managing of that situation though, and said that if you have uh, enough players to to fill out just like thirteen guys, you got to play. Um, and that's why Udinese had to play because they, they Syria does not want to be postponing a bunch of games and having to find space to fill there um, because there's too many games for their liking already postponed right after the break. So Udinese has to suffer through this one. Uh, one of the players that played in the match also has is now popped up positive as well, so that's not ideal. But Atalanta took full advantage, uh, as as they probably would have anyway against Udinese, if, if we're being uh, realistic. Um this was their their first game back as well. Their their first game after the break was postponed. Italy was also doing this dumb thing where they were making the teams go out and and warm up still and like travel and pretend like they were going to play the game. And they they do this dumb thing where they hand the team that has the COVID issues a three zero loss uh, by forfeit, and then they have to do. Year. Yeah, they have to do this like appeal process and eventually they'll say, yeah, you're right. You know, you had to do it with the health authority. But it's just, it's so dumb and it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know, why, why yeah, are we yeah. going through this like pomp and circumstance? But uh, what did you think of this game, Tom? Oh man, Atalanta looks so comfortable, bro. <laughs> like they were going through the motions. Like Luis Muriel's first goal, you, it looked just so easy. And I mean, when you look at the, at the uh, Udinese like lineup, you, you look at some of these names, you're like, who? Like most of these guys don't play at all for them, <laughs> uh, let alone start. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it was very, very, it was like a practice match for Atalanta. I mean, the goals scored were amazing. Um, it was nice to see some of the guys. I'm a big fan of Luis Muriel, and I'm a big fan of Mario Pasolic. They both played very well in this game. Um, and, I mean, when you've got – Guys coming off the bench, getting two assists, getting goals, uh, really just you know falling into the lineup and, and playing very well. I mean, that it was it was very it was a very solid. I wouldn't even say a statement win. It was just a very solid and, and good win for Atalanta to prove, you know, to keep that top four. Yeah, it's all it's all about keeping pace with the rest of the pack now. Uh, a guy in this game that I really wanted to highlight who I think has had a fantastic season, and we've talked about on this show before, Mario Pasolic, who has just been really, really good. Eight goals, five assists so far in the league. Um, he is so dominant in the air, too. I, I, he, yeah. like, just goes up, like, wins the header, of course, in this one, but I just find him so often just finding those spaces. He's a great technical player as well. I really, really enjoy him. It seems like they've they've found in some ways there. He doesn't quite play the, exactly the same role Ilicic did for them uh, in the last few years, but he's a similar type of player to Ilicic and mm -hmm. is going to 
help them kind of bridge that gap. It's funny because, you know, obviously he's one of the the very famed Chelsea Lone Army prospects. Um, and he's found his spot, though. And he's still relatively young. He's only 26. Uh, for some reason, since he'd been around for so long, uh, you pointed to the Milan badge, of course. Former AC Milan player. <laughs> of course. Uh, if only they had him now. I think Pasolich would do very well at oh Milan, of course. Um, I just think it's it's nice to see that he's found his his footing now. And uh, and especially this season has, has really turned up the performances. Um, again, he's only 26. He just seems like... I feel like I've I've heard about him for for years and years now as a, as a young and up and coming player and yeah. to finally see it like actually put together and and, and some really good performances um, is good. Yeah, Atalanta obviously score a lot of goals in this game. They look dominant, but I think the the smaller headline here is that they still looked very open and are, are prone to these individual mistakes, which I think is a huge yeah. issue for them. Uh, they, they, of course, have the capacity to, to put six past a lot of teams, even teams that aren't COVID-depleted, of course. like They have that, that high ceiling, um, and they didn't even have Zapata for this match, but I just worry defensively that this this happens to them far too often, where they, they, they let teams back into the game, or sometimes like they, they had against Roma, where you just constantly get beat on the break or you constantly put yourself behind such a at such a disadvantage that it doesn't matter how many goals you score you're not going to make up that kind of ground so Atalanta I think going forward need to, to really improve in that area if they want to be serious title challengers which they are still technically in the title race this season of course but I think if you really want to be like taking that next step if you're Atalanta you have to to figure out a way to be form like defensively yeah. solid I know that part of the system means that you're going to be open to, to that kind of exploitation, but you at least need better quality players that are not going to be making the mistakes that Atalanta are right now. It's a red flag of Gasparini ball. It, it seems like a lot of the times that Atalanta play, it's more, we need to just score more than you're going to score on us kind of deal. Then uh, let's score a couple goals and then, you know, settle in, make sure we play good possessive football and, and, you know, really run the team off the field. Um, because of these reasons. Uh, kind of running back, for as well as Pasolich has been playing, I still don't even think he's their best player. I really do think – I really like Malinovsky and, and think that he he's just a different type of player that, that really gives them that edge moving forward. He's always a guy. No matter how bad Atalanta is playing, no matter how bad everybody else is playing, it always looks like he wants to get forward. He wants to be aggressive and get chances and, and, and really attack the goal. Um, I mean, he can shoot from 25 yards basically, and and he's got a he's got a good left foot. Um, finds his teammates a lot. Uh, so as long as he stays healthy too, I mean, these guys moving, they're forwards. You know, attacking wise, I mean, they're they're in good hands. Yeah, I think I think they are they are definitely in a, a good spot. So yeah, it's it's I'm looking forward to see how Atlanta get on. Um, it's funny, you know, because in in one of their biggest profile matches of really probably this entire period under Gasparini was uh, against PSG in the Champions League. And they were, I think we forget this sometimes, they were two minutes away from from beating PSG in that game, one nothing, uh, yeah. which is just, again, just very uncharacteristic of Atalanta. So they have had these these moments where they, they come really, really close uh, to, to having these breakthroughs. And of course, you know, they got just undone by, by the great PSG attack in that game. But um, yeah, I'd like to see them just be a little more consistent defensively and not make these just these mistakes. That's really what it is. The system doesn't help, of course, but uh, the system can be helped by the fact that players can make smarter decisions on and off the ball. Let's get to our bat last big highlight uh, game of the weekend, which was Empoli 1, Sassuolo 5. Uh, this one was my breakfast game. This is what I, I sat down and had some wonderful coffee and pancakes too, uh, because I had a marathon of Serie A yesterday. Uh, it was fantastic. I wish that I wish that more leagues did all the games in one day. I, I just think that's so nice. Obviously, I had three and Fiorentina today, but I love just like from six thirty till five having games on that I can just I can just roll through i can do all my chores and just check in on and it was so nice um and sassuolo have become one of my favorite teams to watch they have three of of my favorite uh players and i think three very very good attacking creative players raspadori berardi and scamaca i think are 
I call them the uh, I call I called this game the prospect game because there's so many players in here. Uh, I highlighted the empty players that are already being scouted by Lazio, but Scamacca and Raspadori I think are are two guys that you're, you're going to be hearing a lot about in the next year yes. and a half, two years. Uh, Berardi, we've heard you know not so much in the last year or so, but going back a few seasons was a guy constantly linked away from Sassuolo. He stayed loyal to them, has had a fantastic season so far. And I, I think Sassuolo were very, very good in this game. Empoli a little bit unlucky at times, but um, Sassuolo just absolutely blew the doors off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if anybody watched uh, Italy play in the U twenty three Euros this past summer, anybody? No, just me. Uh, okay, uh, two names that always popped up when they played were Raspadori and Scamacca, and these guys are absolutely the future of Italian national team players um them and also fratezi who came off the bench and got an assist these guys are three players that you know moving forward you know you're going to start seeing them get this national team selection and, and see how they they're ready or well, at least kamaka and uh uh raspadori are ready to take that next step to the bigger club um and then like you said like as much as they're a pain in my ass as a milan fan like Sassuolo is one of those teams that is very fun to watch, right? They're not bad enough to be considered a bad club in Italy, but they're not yet good enough to be considered like, you know, top tier, like top five, top six team um, in, in, in the country, even though they're almost there, they're on that fringe, right on that bubble spot. But um, I mean, Skamaka just has a way, he's a goal poacher. He just, he just positions himself so well in the box always ends up finding you know some open space that a teammate can pass and he gets tappings basically but on top of that he strikes the ball well i mean whose whose goal was it was it raspadori's second, second goal is an yeah. absolute screamer from skamaka that Off gets it's post. a wonderful save yeah. uh, to push it under the bar and raspadori taps it home skamaka could have had a hat trick off the bench yeah, uh, which is yeah. <laughs> obviously he, come, he comes on and it's it you know Empoli are put down to ten men and from there the game is is pretty much just you know a matter of of getting it over with at that point but um, yeah Skamaka has just impressed me so much this season and Raspadori in this game I think was fantastic really ran the show uh, I, he got a he got a Zidane gift from me I do not hand out the Zidane gifts very often on on Twitter but uh, just his first goal was beautiful I, yeah. I just think he was very very influential yeah. in this game. Um, this this highlights this game though for me a real issue with Empoli and listen I don't want to be too harsh they're the, they just newly promoted team this season of course and uh, their last few jaunts in Syria have not gone wonderfully well I think this has been a really good you know reintroduction back to the top league of course but defensively this team is just they give up way too many chances and high quality chances at that. They have uh, one of the worst defensive records in the league. Uh, in this game, they're forced into making eight saves. Uh, they had just given up three to Lazio, now five to Sassuolo. Like, they are just constantly bleeding these goals, which is so hard to come back from. I worry about them next season. I think they're very much safe from relegation this year. It would be very hard for me to imagine them them dropping down uh, that far. But I think for next season, especially if they do, you know, they, they have some transfers, some outgoings this year. Uh, that could be a huge, huge issue for them going to next season if they can't clear that up. Because, I mean, it's just it's it's hard to be competitive when you're giving up the goals that they are right now. 42 goals allowed on the season that is a lot and it's not a fluke either if you look at their underlying stats their expected goals all of that it's very much in line with with actual performance here and a lot of the chances they try to create are very low you know they're they're low quality chances i mean you're bringing cutrone off the bench trying to you know do massive redirect headers while he's moving away from the goal and 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 it's just it's a mess really when you watch empoli play um and and for the for the quality of team that they are, especially when you talk about bringing in players or making signings and selling other players and trying to improve as a team, you're picking from a very small pool of players as well, right? You're either taking players from Serie B and bringing them up, or you're trying to go fishing and hope that you can get somebody from another country. And and who wants to come to Serie A and play for a team that's on the fringe of you know, relegation. I mean, this isn't like a Frank Ribéry situation where he's just trying, he just wants to play, you know, and the fact that he's, you know, 50 years old, just basically. But I mean, it, it, it's, it's a tough spot that Empoli is in. Sassuolo, on the other hand, I think that they are a couple signings away from, from t- taking that next step. But 
it depends on how much they sell Raspadora and Skamaka for, because I don't think that they stay at the club. And if they do stay at the club, kind of like what Berardi has done for the last like five years, um, you know, how, how are they going to get money to bring in and bolster that defense and, and, and really make sure that they become, you know, a very, very serious contender in the league for like a, for a European spot. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Yeah, I think um, I think Sassuolo can can progress forward. I don't know that I don't know that Raspadori and Skamaka are gone within the year. I just think that after this season, they'll be on a lot more people's radars. People oh, forget for sure. too. Sassuolo last year had a really really strong start to the season. I mean, it was you know into the the early fall and and you know right before the the December period where they started to fall off, but they were at the top of the table uh, yeah. into the into the fall months last year. And I don't know that that was necessarily a, a fluke. I still think that they're, uh, they're a very good team. And I, I think there, there's some room for growth there still. I, I just, um, I don't know. I, I don't know where they go from here, but I, I think they're still a very fun team. There's a few teams that we always highlight as, as just, listen, if they're on, watch them. Uh, Sassuolo are, are very much on that list. Empoli are too. I don't want to discredit them too much for this game. A lot of this damage comes after the red card, and I think they've done well so far in, this season. When you consider, you know, they're sitting in eleventh uh, on on level with points with Sassuolo, who've been very complimentary of. Um, it's just that goal differential that's gonna gonna hurt them. But I still think both these teams are, are very exciting to watch. Um, Elsewhere, just just to give you some perspective, Milan beat Venezia three uh, nil. Napoli continue their their fight in the title race as well, despite a lot of the absences, some of them COVID related as well. Uh, Napoli won Sampdoria nil. Um, the table reads as this right now, right? You know, and there are obviously some game in hand issues. Uh, Inter have a game in hand, and they are top of the table with forty nine points. Uh, AC Milan in second with 48, Napoli in third with 43, Atalanta with 41, and Juventus with 38. Uh, Atalanta and Inter all with a game in hand there. Uh, Fiorentina sitting with 32. They got absolutely walloped by Torino, but they do have a game in hand. You, you never know, right? As long as Vlahovic sticks around. Um, yeah, that was, uh, I, I, I'm just looking at this. I didn't know what the, how this uh, game ended up because this game was played today, correct? Yeah. So... Uh, actually, I'm actually surprised to see that Torino just walloped Fiorentina like that. Torino have have had a very good revival from last season's near relegation. They've been playing very well this season. I think they deserve a lot of credit. But uh, we talked about how Fiorentina we're we're skeptical of them because they're not really a team we expect to put together. You know, four straight wins, which is kind of something you you probably need to do to solidify yourself into that those top four yeah. spots or, or even get that Europa League spot. Um, worrying start back from the break for them, I would say. Uh, FA Cup was this weekend in England. I love the FA Cup simply because it gives you the opportunity uh, to see lots of like younger players that maybe you typically wouldn't see. You get to see some some clubs you, you typically don't get to watch play. Um, Liverpool played Shrewsbury. With, funnily enough, a team that Liverpool played before in the FA Cup in the last few years, they, they beat them. Arsenal got taken out by Nottingham Forest, which is always a joy. It's always fun. You know, I, I think seeing like the big, uh, the big cup sets, of course, it's uh, fun. It, it's just that's Arsenal's one chance at a trophy every year is the FA. They're cup. in the semifinals There's... of the League Cup. You never know. You never know. They got to yeah, get past it, Liverpool, but they can, it, they can win a League Cup every year. It's basically Arsenal fans saying FA Cup or bust because it's never the league. It's never the Champions League. I mean, it's definitely not the Champions League or Europa League. So, I mean, it's like, hey. We always got the FA Cup, right? <laughs> so there's only been two times in the last 26 years that Arsenal have been knocked out of the FA Cup at this stage. Uh, the other time was in 2017-18 when they were knocked out by Nottingham Forest. Uh, isn't it funny? I'll, I'll, I'll always hear what's... 
with, with the facts. Isn't it funny the roundabouts as it goes? I can remember that winter actually. That was when things got really toxic. Um, I remember there being a Crystal Palace game somewhere in there where they were really, really negative about the Arsenal players. That was like a a, a dark, dark period, I would say, uh, was, for Arsenal. It was a bad time um, for Arsenal. And uh, Cambridge United <laughs> knock out Newcastle. Newcastle continue their awful streak so far this season. They just can't win games even against uh, lower-tier opposition. Uh, Cambridge United, by the way, have beaten the same amount of Premier League teams this season as Newcastle have. One. <laughs> Good for them both. Uh, let's do a little transfer roundup, of course, um, obviously we're, we're, we're in the middle now of the January transfer window. Uh, I, we try and just bring you the stuff that seems more material and some of the deals that are actually done, because if you're just talking straight up rumors, then, you know, you can just do an entire pot on this alone. But Philip Coutinho coming back to the Premier League, he's, he's re reuniting with Steven Gerrard, uh, at Aston Villa. Uh, this is an interesting signing. Of course, he took a pay cut to come to Villa. He's, uh, on loan with a potential to, to buy at the end of the year. I think this is a pretty decent signing for Villa. I, I yes. think it's sort of a, a a buy low on a guy that if he's able to refine even just like 80% of, of Coutinho that we saw when he was uh, at Liverpool in those first few months at Barcelona, that's a huge signing for them. Uh, this is a, a team that could use that extra midfield depth as well. I think especially the way that uh, Villa like to play, there's space behind uh, the 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 front striker to, to have a player like Coutinho, him linking up with Buendia and Ali Watkins and Danny Ings. I think that's an exciting prospect, I would yeah. say. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, you saw, I, I saw people praising Danny Ings this week. So I'm assuming that Villa played well. Uh, yeah, Danny Ings, like Danny Ings played well today. Uh, he had a goal disallowed. Um, Danny Ings is good. I mean, he's he's a good striker. I think he's he gets a lot of uh, he gets a little underrated sometimes. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, like you said, when you when you talk about that front four, I mean, with putting Coutinho into that front four, it really really makes them more of a serious you know attacking team. And and you know, like you said, he needs to find a bit of that old type of old form. I mean, Barcelona fans are not very fond of him right now. I, you know, uh, my guy Sushi in the chat right now is is saying, Aston Villa, please, please take him for good. Get those wages off our minds forever. Um, uh, I think so it's one of the greatest deals in the history of ever, actually. I think it's really <laughs> one of the best the best signings Barcelona have ever made, at least from my perspective. I think. Oh, yeah, that's best. completely subjective, right? <laughs> it's weird because he – I. I remember his first few months, and he was still very good. He very much continued in the same way that he played with Liverpool. It was just a massive fall-off outside of yeah. that. Um, it's funny because his like form very much went with the same way Barcelona did after that time period where once Coutinho started playing bad, not that he was the cause for this, of course, but the rest of Barcelona now is just sort of just faded, and now they're in this giant refresh period. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with Coutinho at Aston Villa. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, no Sven Botman for Newcastle. Seems like there's just no chance of this happening. Uh, he was also linked with AC Milan, of course, so that's that's yeah, relevant news to, to Syria as well. But seems like Sven Botman, no one can just meet the price that Lille is asking for. Uh, they're happy to keep him, and we'll see what happens maybe in the summer because he is constantly linked away for the last 18 months pretty much he's he's been a, a hot commodity let's say especially after Lil's uh, title winning campaign but no Sven Botman for Newcastle uh, this winter they did put in a bid for Diego Car uh, Carlos from Sevilla I I just I would be very very surprised if Sevilla let their one of their top center backs go when they are still technically in the title race uh, I, I would be very surprised by that Luka Dinia, apparently also going to Aston Villa. Um, this seems like it's progressed much more in the in the last like 12 hours. Uh, it seems like it's it's almost a done deal at this point. Um, that's a big signing for Aston Villa as well, I, I would say. Uh, there was Chelsea involved, of course, and um, I know Napoli were also involved in, in uh, Dinier as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him at Aston Villa. I think that's a big signing. And, of course, Everton fans are upset because it's Rafa Benitez gifting Steven Gerrard a beautiful Luca Dinier. Uh, <laughs> and Everton, uh, I, I, I wish I could be a fly in the wall in some of those executive <laughs> meetings because I would really, I would like to know what their process is, actually. Yeah. Uh, this one, Dom, this one brings back some memories, I would say. Uh, Christoph Piatek is back in Syria, the gunman himself, uh, to Fiorentina, of all places. Um Wow. It has been quite the, the time since we last saw Piatek. Good God. 
uh, that fantastic season for Genoa. Never quite did the best at Milan, and uh, well, since then has just not not recaptured that form. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It was very weird because when he first came to Milan, he actually was still playing pretty well and, and he was scoring goals and... You know, I was one of them. You, you definitely could bring up some receipts if you went searching on my Twitter page of, you know, me celebrating a, a few of his goals. Pretty big, you know, because uh, you know, at the time we were like, oh, my God, we finally got ourselves a striker, you know, a consistent striker. And then he fell off and we sold him to Hertha Berlin. Um, where, yeah, I mean, in the Bundesliga, it just hasn't seemed like he's regained that form. Um, it seems to me like this is this is a signing that Fiorentina is getting ready to prepare for Vlahovic's exit. I mean, we all know that Vlahovic is leaving at the end of the season. Um, so I guess Christoph Piatek is, is who they're going to use to replace him. Not to, did you bring up a receipt? I have a uh, Dominic tweet from January 29th of 2019. Two words, Christoph Piatek. I'm not sure what he did that day. Uh, the next day, yeah, you were really. The next day, the next day, you were really in your feelings about Piatek. Ronaldo is your goat. Piatek is having a better season so far. Messi leads Europe in league goals. No hat tricks yet. <laughs> hey man, I you know what? I appreciate the authenticity. That, that was that, that was more of a. Uh... A trolling tweet to, to of, make mm-hmm. of course of, well, listen senator true. listen it you're not under numbers. you're not under congressional oath all right they were, this they is were true numbers it was it was just me like poking fun at the ronaldo fanboys basically just hey guess your goat my goat <laughs> listen i would love nothing more than Tech to refine his goal scoring form because his celebration one of my favorites in syria over the last <laughs> few years it's great everyone loved it Everyone loved the Piatek yeah, yeah. story. Come on. We were all wrapped up in it. It wasn't just you. I'm poking fun. It wasn't just you. Everyone did. I loved it. You loved it. We all did. I would love to have that back because let's be real. It's fun. It's fun. Sports are supposed to be fun. All right? We don't have to get wrapped up in it all the time with the seriousness. Um, let's just look ahead a little bit to, to some of the games that we have coming up. Um, we have the uh, Copa Italia restarting this week, of course, um, which is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think we're all looking forward to you have the, the Copa Italia final, of course, as well, um, or the Super Cup. I'm sorry, uh, Inter and Juventus dueling that one out. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're looking forward to that. It's cool because I think a lot of the other top European leagues, uh, the cup like that in England is obviously the Community Shield, which doesn't get taken quite as seriously. Whereas I feel, especially in Italy, the Super Copa is taken uh, as, a, as a pretty big deal. At least I've always felt that it has. So I'm looking forward to those two, uh, those two playing because I think Inter, of course, uh, would, would love the chance to to get some some silverware so far again this season, and I think we would all kind of like to see Juventus not win it. Um, I think we're being realistic. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the Coppa Italia being back. Um, I know Milan have Genoa right, and we have Napoli, yeah. Fiorentina. Uh, some some pretty good matchups in the Coppa in the first round, and we have Atalanta Inter Milan this weekend. That is, I mean. Put it on your calendar. Right? That, is, uh, that is really, really good stuff. Looking forward to that a lot. And in England, you know, we have uh, the <laughs> some more postponed games this week. Of course, uh, you have the the, the long-awaited League Cup tie between Liverpool and Arsenal uh, postponed last week, obviously, to COVID. And Manchester City-Chelsea this weekend, which is a lot to look forward to. Um, and Tottenham and Arsenal. This Sunday, January 16th. Looking forward to that. A nice North London derby. Uh, it's a good place marker for our bet that we had. Who would finish higher between uh, Tottenham or Arsenal? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the outcome of that game because it will give us a really clear sense of, of where that bet is heading. Uh, Dom, anything to say before we wrap it up today? A classical on Wednesday. Um, another big game, always ready to watch. Um and then also uh, a little bit of the transfer talk, a little bit of transfer rumors have been brewing in my chat every now and then uh, because I have some Barca fans. Um, 
uh, Usman Dembele has been asking for 50 mil a year now, starting next year. Uh, so I don't think that Barcelona wants to pay that. So maybe he I, may be listen, sold so somewhere. I, I've, I see, I've seen that same story. Barcelona is weird, especially with Dembele stuff. Everything about Usman Dembele gets leaked immediately. Uh, and I have to think there's some reason for that. Uh, maybe because Barcelona spent way too much money on him and did not nurture him well enough uh, to to promote that professionalism. And he's been unlucky with injuries as well. Um, but I do find it a little bizarre that everything around Dembele is immediately linked. I remember when Xavi first came in, it was all these uh, leaks about how he was late to training and Xavi yelled at him about it. And now he's on time again. Like every day there was tweets about how late Dembele was to training. One time it was like seven minutes and it was like, all right, like, hey, come on. Yeah. Are we going to like, I understand you're supposed to be on time. You're a highly paid professional athlete, but I mean, do we really need to do this? So I think some of the Barcelona stuff is is verging into uh, Barcelona always seems to have all these leaks. I, I don't know what it is, but there's there's constant uh, constant leakage coming from uh, from Barcelona. Anything else, Tom? Anything else from the, the the rumor the rumor mill over there? No, that that was about it. That was about uh, all, it. All I have left to say is uh, take care, brush your hair. Right. Take care, brush your hair. That's great life <laughs> advice, and I think we'll we'll leave you on that. Everyone, take care. Brush your hair and enjoy the great games this week. We'll see you next time. Peace.